pedazo. So happy Bodhicitta today. This morning, I'd like to combine the reading with the meditation, reciting some verses from Shantideva, from this chapter, the same third chapter of Embracing Bodhicitta. So the verses that I read yesterday were really leading right up to that, very much interfacing with the extraordinary result. And then the verses that I'll read today are often uh, excerpted in the actual liturgy for taking the Bodhisattva precepts. Very common, because he's such a renowned and eminent Bodhisattva himself. So Shantideva just very, very briefly begins his text, A Guide to the Bodhisattva Way of Life, saying that he's, uh, he's not writing it for the sake of others. He's writing it, right? He's writing it, he says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not composing this for the sake of others. I'm composing it for the sake of myself, to help train my mind. I'm not quoting verbatim, but very, very close. I'm composing this, even though I'm not skillful in writing, have no great erudition, but I'm composing this in order to train my own mind. Right. And then he adds, however, and this is all paraphrase. But, uh, however, if there are other people with uh, fortunes similar to my own, inclinations, predispositions, aspirations, similar to my own, then this might benefit them too. You know? So this recurs, this comes up so often in the Buddhist tradition that one doesn't put oneself forth as a teacher. Natu was telling me, I hadn't heard this before, but I'm not surprised, that uh, Lama Zubarambache, one of the really, among contemporary Tibetan Lamas, apart from His Holiness, he's really well, just enormous impact globally, you know, including after the, the death of his beloved Lama, his co-teacher, Lama Tupniyeshe, that was a long, long time ago. But what he's done on his own is just utterly spectacular, it kind of defies the imagination. Uh, and so there he is. One might think, whoa, boy, he was such a successful lama, you know, so many centers, so much influence, uh, accomplished so much. One might think that he'd really thought, boy, I'm, let me at him, I'm going to start teaching dharma. But in fact, Natu was telling me that, in fact, just the contrary was the case. He wasn't inclined to teach at all. It was only when his lama told him that he must teach. Then, you know, okay, then he taught. You know. So... That's kind of the classic attitude. It's not, although it's an exceptional lama, there's no question about that. That's not an exceptional attitude. It's a very common attitude. And that is when, oh, there's an old Kadampa saying, now is not the time, and I think of this ever so often, believe me, now is not the time, now is not the time, this is a thousand years ago, in the degenerate time, you know, a thousand years ago, uh, now is not the time to try to subdue the minds of others or train the minds of others. Now is the time to train your own mind. You know? And so all of us who have faith, who are really devoted to practice, I think that's in the back of the mind. You know? uh, that's our primary task. Train our own minds. And then, now and then, if we can be a benefit here or there, uh, then we do so. Although Lama Zubarambuji has so many qualities I don't have, on this one little point, same. I was first asked to teach when I was 26 years old. That was a joke. I'd only been training for six years, full-time, but still only six years. And a small group of people, 15 or so, asked me to teach. My immediate response was, no way. <laughs> I'm still a kid. I'm so young. Uh, 
No, 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 no. Geshe Rapton is right here. What are you asking me for? He's right here. You know, he's the grand. He's truly a master. You know, a misinterpreter. Uh, but I did what students do. I went. I told. I, I relayed the request to Geshe Rapton. He said, "Teach." So he started teaching. So. Likewise, and when Shariputra, remember when Shariputra met this, oh, I, I forget, something, a Tisa, but in any case, the monk, the monk, anybody remember the name? It's something like Tisa, but it's not Tisa, it's something like that. But this monk who is simply walking quietly, serenely, and, he, and then Shariputra, remember the story, though. Shariputra approaches him and says, well, who's your teacher? And he says, oh, I'm only, he's already a stream enterer, right? He's already realized nirvana. But he says, oh, I'm paraphrasing again, not, not well prepared this morning. But uh, he said basically, well, you know, I'm only new, newly come to the Dharma, uh, so I'm not really capable to teach. But, ye dharma hetu prabhava hetum desham detakoto hyavatat deshanchayo neroda evam vadimahasramana. And then Shariputra became an, became an Arya. You know. But he said this lovely phrase, I mean, it's really one of the shortest, simplest, and most beautiful stories in the whole Buddhist tradition. So then, there it was. He heard, and he gained realization, you know? And then, and then this, this Arya said, if you'd like to learn more, all this paraphrasing, then, come and see. The Buddha's over there. Come and see for yourself, you know? So, Shantideva, it's the same continuum all the way through. And so he really, he's inviting us in this spectacular text, uh, such a union of compassion and wisdom, and very, very practical. Mm. He's inviting us into his own mind, really. That's what he's doing. Because he's not teaching to us. He's not saying, oh, there's my audience. Okay, there, there, Isabel. Emerson, I have something to tell you. I'm a Buddhist scholar. I'm, I'm a bodhisattva. I'm quite accomplished. And by the way, I used to be a prince. You know, he didn't do that. He's, he's not specific, explicitly addressing anyone else. He's saying, if anybody helps, happens to be listening in. Kind of like that. Anybody listening in? If we share kind of aspirations, vision, karma, and so forth, maybe it could be helpful. Go figure. And then he goes into really one of the greatest classics in all of Mahayana Buddhist literature. And so he's carrying us with us insofar as you resonate with the questions he's raising, the lines of inquiry he poses, the meditations. Then he's coming now after something, really quite something of a, uh, a preamble, a building up, a crescendo, a crescendo, uh, through the preliminary practices, you know, preliminary practices of homage, of offering, and so forth. The seven-limb devotion goes right back to his, the seven-limb busha, seven-limb devotion, of homage, offering, and so forth, right from him. And he's finished all of those, and he's aroused this extraordinary resolve, and then finally he comes to the grand finale, and that is the actual cultivation of bodhicitta, and he does so with imagining, as his witness, the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, the enlightened ones, kind of invoking them, calling them in. I'm about to say something here, please listen, you know, because I'm, I'm really serious. And then he makes his own Bodhisattva vow, you know, that's what we have here. And so, to receive vows, like Pratimoksha vows, as a, as a lay person, a novice, fully ordained, monk or nun, you must receive them. You cannot receive them without having someone, him or herself, who has them, and you pass on. It has to be a lineage. You have to have a teacher to receive it. 
And then likewise for tantric samayas, tantric samayas, pledges and so forth, uh, you must receive it from someone who has it. So it's, the lineage has to be unbroken. Right? But interestingly enough, that which is bracketed between the pratyamoksha for your own individual liberation, vajrayana, for very swift liber- awakening, what's in between uh, is, the, of course, the bodhisattva vow. And that's the exception. You can take the bodhisattva vow, now very much within this, this Mahayana worldview, that the Dharmakaya is everywhere present, and therefore the Buddha is everywhere present, therefore the Buddha is your witness, right? And the guru, as we've heard before, is the channel through which you may receive the blessings, the guidance, and so forth, of Dharmakaya. But physical guru, no physical guru, it's, the presence is still there. And so everyone accepts, in, I think, in Tibetan Buddhism, that this is a type of vow that one may take without receiving it from a teacher. You can just do it directly. Dharmakaya is there, Buddha is there, then you can just call the Buddha as your witness and say, I'd like to make this pledge, this promise, my vow, bodhisattva vow. And then you can. Okay? You call them as your witness, and in the background you can imagine all sentient beings, because they're the ones you're about to serve, and here's your witness, the Buddhas, the bodhisattvas, Buddha Shakyamuni being central. So, I'd like to go right to the meditation. No more preamble. And uh, so just really focus, you know, just look right through this transparent veil of somebody being here. Just look like, like, hopefully like a clear, clear window. Just look right through it. Don't look at the window. Uh, just look right through the window to Shantideva's words, as if he's speaking with you. Why not? You know, why not? That Shantideva is speaking to you. And then, if you are one of those people who share a fortune like him, aspirations, vision, like that, then as you're hearing him, and this one, this is not going to be a formal taking a vow, but it may be informal taking a vow. You may take the Bodhisattva vow right now as we recite this, as we meditate on this. The standard way of doing it, which is perfectly good, I've received this many times, is the Lama recites the liturgy, then you, then you recite after, right, right afterwards, you do it three times and so forth. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Let's keep it simple. I'm going to recite it. If you, from your own perspective, quietly, you feel Shantideva, I share your aspiration. And go with him. Just as I'm reciting slowly, and I'll pause, if this resonates with you, with Shantideva as your witness, the Buddha as your witness, many of you have gurus, your, your gurus as your witness, then I'll recite slowly, and then you can simply mentally recite, take the Bodhisattva precept. Okay? Yes? I couldn't hear. Three times? You want three times? Okay. I can do three times. So, shall we go? Let's go in. I think this time I'm not going to set a chime. I'll just watch the clock. It'll be more or less 24 minutes. Um, is there any way... It's, I, I can hear myself really clearly. I don't know where the... There are the speakers. If we can just... Can we do anything about that? Or I can simply try... It's quite loud. What I can do is speak like this. Okay? So there'll be no charm. Let's simply go right in.
Ah, but let's, get, let's start as usual. That's a good way. That's a good way. So we start as usual. Omoge yuke nupcham sambema gesa dombola yamsen joki mudubnye bema june shesuta kodu kando mambuko keki jesu datuki jingi lakshi shiksusu Guru Pema Siddhi Hum Hum Oge Yuke Nupcham San Pema Gesa Dombola Yamsen Joki Mudubnye Pema Jhune Shesutan Kodu Kando Mambuko Keki Jesu Datuki Jinge lapche shaksusu Guru Pema Siddhi Hum Hum Oge Yuki Nupcham San Pema Gesa Dombola Yamsen Shoki Mudubnye Pema Jhune Shesuta Kodu Kando Mambuko Keki Jesu Dabdubki Jinge Lapche Shaksus Guru Pema Siddhi
Now from this one perspective, from which the Bodhisattva vow, the Bodhisattva aspiration and resolve can actually be realized. And we gradually turn to the text, to Shantideva's words. while sustaining this pure perception, this translucent perception of our own body, speech, and mind, empty of inherent nature, filled with the light of our own Buddha nature, resting in our own deepest identity, already real, simply waiting to fully manifest, So we turn immediately to Shantideva's own vow that he's making to himself in the presence of all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and for the sake of all sentient beings. And he writes, just as the Sugatas of old adopted Bodhicitta and just as they properly conformed to the practice of the Bodhisattvas, So I myself generate bodhicitta for the sake of the world. And so I myself shall properly engage in those practices. For a second time, just as as the Sugatas of old adopted bodhicitta, and just as they properly conformed to the practice practice of the bodhisattvas, so I myself shall generate bodhicitta for the sake of the world, and so I myself shall properly engage in those practices. If you are indeed 
arousing the same aspiration, making the same pledge with Shantideva. Then upon the third recitation of this verse, then firmly imagine with conviction that now you have received the Bodhisattva precept. Just as the Sugatas of old adopted Bodhicitta, and just as they properly conformed to the practice of the Bodhisattvas, so I myself generate Bodhicitta for the sake of the world. so I shall myself properly engage in those practices. In this way, receive the Bodhisattva vow. it's not enough simply to take the vow, to make such a pledge. We must carry through. And so we continue in his own words, upon gladly adopting bodhicitta in this way, an intelligent person should thus nurture the spirit, that is the spirit of bodhicitta, in order to fulfill his wish. Now my life is fruitful. Human existence is well obtained. Today I have been born into the family of the Buddhas. Now I am a child of the Buddhas. I shall repeat. Twice more. Now my life is fruitful. Human existence is well obtained. Today I've been born into the family of the Buddhas. Now I'm a child of the Now my life is fruitful. Human existence is well obtained. Today I have been born into the family of the Buddhas. Now I am a child of the Buddhas.
Thus, whatever I do now should accord with the Bodhisattva's family, and it should not be like a stain on this pure family. Just as a blind man might find a jewel amongst heaps of rubbish, so this bodhicitta has somehow arisen in me. is the elixir of life produced to vanquish death in the world. It is the inexhaustible treasure eliminating the poverty of the world. It is the supreme medicine that alleviates the illness of the world. It is the tree of rest for beings exhausted from wandering on the pathways of mundane existence. is the universal bridge for all travelers on their crossing over miserable states of existence. It is the rising moon of the mind that soothes the mental afflictions of the world. It is the great sun dispelling the darkness of the world's ignorance. It is the fresh butter formed from churning the milk of Dharma. For the caravan of beings traveling on the path of mundane existence 
and starving for the meal of happiness. It is the feast of happiness that satisfies all sentient beings who have come as guests. Shantideva's final verse in this chapter, I'll once again recite three times. Today I invite the world to sugatahood and temporal happiness. May the gods, asuras, and others rejoice in the presence of all the protectors. Today I invite the world to sugatahood and temporal happiness. May the gods, asuras, and others rejoice in the presence of all the protectors. Today I invite the world to Sugatahood and temporal happiness. May the gods, asuras, and others rejoice in the presence of all the protectors. begin such practice with cultivating this aspirational bodhicitta. The aspiration, the longing to achieve perfect enlightenment in order to bring all other sentient beings to awakening. But with only a momentary pause, We activate this aspiration. We turn to engaged bodhicitta. Putting that aspiration into gear. Turning to action. Carrying through with our pledge. And we can do so here and now. As you sustain this pure vision of your own presence in the world, 
and sustain this identification with your innermost essence, your Buddha nature, your pristine awareness, not wavering from your own ground. With each in-breath, draw in, in the spirit of supplication, the blessings, the guidance of all the Buddhas, all the awakened ones, from all three times, past, present, and future. Imagine all the enlightened ones joyfully responding, blissfully responding to your aspiration, your request, and blessings flowing in from all sides in the form of light, filling utterly saturating every aspect of your being, your body, speech, and mind. And then with each out-breath, there's a manifestation of this freshly arisen bodhicitta. Imagine rays of light flowing out in all directions, fulfilling the needs fulfilling the needs of all sentient beings from moment to moment, doing all that is possible to lead each one away from suffering and the causes of suffering, to lead each one on the path of happiness and the causes of happiness, leading each one on the path toward their own perfect awakening, Breathing in, breathing out. Liberate and awaken the world. Breath by breath, imagine every single sentient being becoming freed. And everyone, each one, awakening to perfect enlightenment.
Now release these displays, these effulgences, these appearances of your own pristine awareness. Release them, let them dissolve away into Dhammata. And release your awareness itself into its own primordial ground, beyond the three times. A ground in which the, the past, present, and future are simultaneous. The ground, the path, and the fruition are primordially indivisible. Rest there. And know who you are. And always have been. Now arise once again, manifest from this non-duality of the Dhammadhatu, the absolute space of phenomena and primordial consciousness, arise out of this luminous emptiness in your own form, but an empty form, appearing yet devoid of inherent nature, luminous, pure, And to the best of your ability, sustain this appearance and the sense of your own identity as you rise from meditation right now. And we bring the meditation to a close.
Voilà ça. Enjoy your day.